Good evening. If you would, go ahead and take your Bibles out. We're going to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to start out tonight, but we're going to be turning to a lot of different passages of Scripture. So I hope you are ready. We're going to start out with a test tonight. How many of you love tests? There's no, okay, good, good. I'm glad nobody raised their hand. I'd be worried about you. I hated tests in school. Uh, I am great with learning stuff. Just when it comes time to testing me on the knowledge I've learned, I fail terribly. So, uh, but we're going to, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, see how much you listened back in September. Who can tell me what book of the Bible we were in in September when I preached last time? James, okay, good, good. We ended in James chapter three. I heard someone say three. Three, James chapter 3, and then that very next week, Pastor picked up in James chapter 4, and we did not talk about that. He just said James 4. I went, well, how perfect is that? He picked up right where I left off. Uh, and tonight's message is going to be an offshoot of that, and it's about having a relationship with God. And if you remember when we were talking about the book of James, it was, are you the real deal? Are you a real Christian, or are you just good at putting on a show? Uh, and we're good at putting on shows. We're good at looking good on the outside and saying the right words and uh, showing up at the right places at the right times or a little bit after the right time. But we're good about putting on a show for people so that we look the part of a Christian. Uh, but a lot of times, deep down inside, we really aren't that great of a Christian. We have everybody fooled, but you can never fool God. We said you can fool your spouse, you can fool your kids, you can fool your pastor, you can fool your church family, but you will never fool a God who can see your heart. Because while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And that beginning to have be the real deal, it starts with a good relationship with God. How is your relationship with God tonight? Uh, it's the very foundation. You get saved. We need to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, when I ask my wife to date... Back in 2000 and, I'm going to get in trouble for this, 10, January 25th, 2010. Don't ask me how I remember that date. January 25th, 2010, I asked her if she, we could play uh, some games after dinner that night uh, there at college, and uh, he was kind of like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know that she was too excited about it. I was ecstatic about playing card games afterwards. We played Uno, I think, and, and we just had a good time together. Uh, but if I still knew Kelly as well today as I did back eight years ago, we would have a problem in our relationship. If I still didn't know what her favorite color was, if I didn't know what kind of food she liked, if I didn't know what made her happy, uh, we would have some issues. Now, she will tell you, when it comes time to Christmas, I sit there and I rack my brain, what does she want for Christmas? I think she's the hardest person to buy for. And she tells me, I have given you hints all year long. I have a list online of every exact thing that I want. You just have to click order. I make it so easy for you. But <laughs> she does. I'm finally figuring it out. But if I didn't know anything about Kelly, we would have a problem in our relationship because we need to know each other. And we need to be knowing each other more and more every single day. And that's why this couple's retreat is such a good thing. You get to know your spouse better. I still learn new things about Kelly uh, that I didn't know every single day. But our relationship is growing, and we get to know each other better. Well, let me ask you about your relationship with God. Well, I'm going to assume that everyone in here has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. If not, do so tonight. He wants to have a relationship with you. But let me ask you about that relationship. Do you know God just as good as you did the first day that you got saved? How much have you been in your Bible this week, this month, 
this year. January is a great time though where we go, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. You know how many times I've read Genesis 1 to start reading my Bible through every year? Not near as many times as I've read my Bible through. But we need to have a relationship with God. And we're going to look at three things tonight quickly. And my watch is dead. So if it's 7 o'clock and I'm still preaching up here, somebody wave at me. Uh, but we're going to look at three simple things tonight. Number one, we're going to look at the foundation of our relationship. Number two, we're going to look at the formation of faith. And number three, we're going to look at the fixation of will. Philippians chapter number three, starting in verse 10, if you would read along with me. Philippians 3.10. The writer says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, neither was I already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Uh, and Lord, for these church people and just what a great church Bible Baptist church is, but I pray that we would look at our relationship with you, uh, and no matter where we are in our relationship with you, that we would strive to become closer to you tonight, this week, and this year here at Bible Baptist Church. May we look back a year from now and say we are closer to God than we were last year. Um, Lord, we'll just praise you for what you do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, we, what is the foundation of his relationship? You look in verse number 10 of chapter 3, the Bible says that I may know him. We need to know who God is. We need to know him. And I'm not just talking about a, a base knowledge. Well, I know that Jesus is God's son and that God lives in heaven and that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Those are all great things. Uh, and they're all facts that you know about God. But I, I want to submit to you that we need to know God. I can know facts about Kelly all day long, but do I really know her? Do you really know God? I, I know some things about some of you guys in this room, but I don't know everything about you. You guys know some things about me, but you don't know everything about me, but we should strive to know God. It's more than a head knowledge. It's knowing him personally. Did you know that Jesus wants to have, God wants to have a personal relationship with everybody in this room? God wants to have that relationship with you. He wants you to commune with him, to talk with him. He wants you to be in his word and read his word. Uh, he cared about it so much that he gave us his word so that we could read it, not so that it could sit on a shelf from Sunday night to Wednesday afternoon, and then you're scuffling around to find your Bible Wednesday afternoon to bring it to church Wednesday night, and then Saturday night you're going, now where did I put that Bible when I got home from church? Uh, it, that's not what it's for. It's for us to read and to be in and to to get closer to him. We need to know his person, number one, that I may know him, that I may know Jesus, that I may know God as a person, that I may know him personally. John Milton said, the end of all learning is to know God and out of that knowledge to love and imitate him. They say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I have a younger brother. He's four years younger than me, and he loves to get on my nerves to this day. He loves to get on my nerves, and he knows how to push my buttons. He knows what makes me mad, uh, and he would imitate everything I did growing up. If I got a new outfit, he would go buy that same outfit. If I walked a certain way, he would walk that way. 
If I was hanging around with a group of friends, he would come and all of a sudden David would be there. He would show up and he would be hanging out and I just want him to go away. And I would go to my mom and my dad and say, can you make him leave me alone? He keeps copying every single thing I do. And then when he saw I was getting mad and frustrated, then he would repeat every word I said. Like, David, stop. David, stop. He was obnoxious. But my dad would look at me, he'd go, Daniel, do you know what? The greatest form of flattery is imitation. I go, Dad, you're saying that, but it's obnoxious too. <laughs> so, but we should strive to imitate God and to be more like him every single day. We should be Christ-like in everything we do. When I do stuff, sometimes I look and go, you know what? That's not what Christ would do. That's not how Christ would have responded in that situation. That's not how Christ would have talked to that person. That's not what Christ would have done, but we need to strive to be more like Christ every single day. So we need to know his person. But keep reading on in chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We serve a powerful God. This word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means we get our, Greek word, or we get our English word dynamite from. How many have ever seen dynamite explode before? Okay, a couple people have. We had some buildings by our house growing up that they imploded, and I got to see them go and put some explosives in there and blow it up, uh, and it was amazing to watch the power of just a few pieces of dynamite bring down whole buildings, uh, and it's so, much, so powerful, but we serve a God that is powerful, so much powerful than a stick of dynamite, and it should be life-changing when we get saved. He has the power to take the worst sinner and to change his heart and to make him like him. You say, God can save anybody. There's nobody too far gone. There's no life that's too messed up that God can't save and turn them around. But we have to know his power. And I think so many times as Christians, myself personally, maybe not you, but I forget how powerful my God is. Did you know that my God was with Daniel in the lion's den and shut the lion's mouths, and he survived a night in the lion's den? Did you know that my God was with David who helped him to slay a giant, that he should have lost that battle. There was no way David should have won. But God guided that rock and fell Goliath on the ground and gave David the victory that day. Did you know that my God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and saved them from a fire that killed the guards that threw them in? Did you know that my God was with Noah and protected him and his family because Noah found grace in the eyes of God? My God was with Lazarus and raised him from the dead. My God, so powerful. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for my sins. But God, Jesus didn't stay dead in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the dead, had power over death and sin, and lives forever in heaven and is sitting on the right hand of God. And that's my God and the God that you serve today. Stop and think about that. Our God's a powerful God. And a lot of times I read the Bible and I go, oh, that's great. Yeah, Daniel was in the lion's den, and we've heard these stories since Sunday school. And we go, yep, God shut the mouths of the lions. Well, God protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. That's great. But did you know that God hasn't lost his power over the years? God hasn't changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still the same powerful God that he was back in the days of David, of Shadrach, of Daniel, uh, of Noah. And he's still the same exact God today. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Just back towards the front of your Bible, a couple pages. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 
I forgot to write down the chapter. We're going to skip over that for right now. <laughs> I'll come across it. It's in my notes later on. We'll come across it in just a minute. Uh, but, you know, God is a powerful God, and God wants to show us his power, and he wants to show us it every single day, and he wants to do life-changing things. And God wants to do life-changing things here at Bible Baptist Church. God wants to do a great work here, and God wants to use us and, and to grow us closer to him and to see people saved and to see people's lives changed, to see people added to the family of God, and he can do it. And he will do it, if only we'll know his power. So number one, we need to know his person. Number two, we need to know his power. Uh, but continuing on, we need to know his presence. Back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Life isn't always going to be easy. We learned about that in James chapter number 1. My brother encountered all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, when you fall into different trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Pastors preached about it, and we know that a lot of times we go through difficult times, and our first prayer is, God, help get me out of this. God, please deliver me from this trial, when a lot of times he has us under there to teach us patience, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience, it's an interesting word if you study it out. It means to put yourself under to stay there, and God puts us under that pressure and puts us under those trials and those tough times to make us better people. Uh, and if you look at uh, the life here of Paul, instead of wanting to get out of hard situations, Paul used his sufferings as a venue of fellowship with Christ. You don't see Paul sitting there having a pity party all the time, and Paul was thrown in prison, wrongfully thrown in prison, and he was still writing letters of encouragement to churches all over the world. Uh, Paul didn't use those things uh, as a crutch, but he used them as a means, as a venue of fellowship with Christ, and that's what we should do. He say, hey, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but as long as I'm going through it, teach me something. Draw me closer to you. Help me. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. give you a moment to turn there. Hebrews 4.15. We're going to go back to verse 14 and start reading. This section talking about how Jesus Christ is our high priest. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter number 4 says, Seeing then that we have a high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is with us all the time. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the God that I serve, it's the same God that you serve, uh, is not a God that's so high and lofty that he hasn't walked where we walked. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross, who was rejected of his own people, who was tempted by Satan. He was tempted as in all points as we are, yet he did not sin. And so God understands when we're talking to him, we're not talking to some high and lofty individual who doesn't understand us, uh, but he created us and he understands, and we need to know that he's always with us. His presence is with us. So the foundation of a relationship is knowing God's power Knowing his person, knowing his power, and knowing his presence. He's always with us. 
but we also need to make sure our faith is forming, the formation of our faith. Turn back with me to Philippians. I told you you're going to be turning a lot tonight. I want you to see that these verses are actually in the Bible. I'm not just making this up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's start in verse 10. I apologize. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowships of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We need to die to ourselves every single day. We are dead to self and risen with Christ. You look in Galatians 2.20, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The promise of a resurrection with him. We're to be dead to sin and risen to Christ. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. We need to be dead to sin. We're tempted to do sin so many times and we go into that sin because we're not dead to sin, because we're still dabbling in that sin and playing around with it. It says that we should be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be dead to that sin and alive to God. We're risen with Christ. If ye then, Colossians 3.1, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We have the promise of a resurrection. We'll be with Jesus Christ one day in heaven. But even now here on this earth, we're to be dead to sin and alive unto Christ. We're supposed to have a new life in Christ. But there's a process of that transformation. I love watching growing up, getting those caterpillars and going and collecting them. And we would have, I felt like thousands of them in our yard. And I would go out and I'd get those caterpillars and I'd put them in a jar. How many of you, you or your kids, put the caterpillars in a jar? You gave them three blades of grass to pour caterpillars in this little glass jar, and you had to put a stick in there so they could climb up the stick. Uh, but I had a caterpillar that I got into a jar with a stick, and it actually formed a little cocoon chrysalis thing in there. It was hanging, and I thought that was the neatest thing in the world. And I got to watch forever as that thing just sat there. And, so, and, you know, it didn't change into a moth or butterfly, whatever it changed into. It didn't happen overnight. It sat in there for what felt like years. I know it was only a couple days, weeks, but, uh, and I watched it and watched it. And finally, it hatched out one day. Uh, and it was a, it was completely different than when it went in. It was a little caterpillar before, and now it was flying and had wings and was a beautiful creature. Uh, and I was so excited. We went out in our front yard with my friends, and, and we set that but we called it a butterfly. I'm pretty sure it was a moth, but it, everything's a butterfly when you're a kid. We set that butterfly free that day, and we got to watch it fly off, and then our baby birds were hungry, I guess, and so Mama Bird came and took our butterfly and ate it, and we, you know, we were so, it was so sad. Why are you laughing? That was, a sad, that was a traumatic experience for me as a child, watching my moth that I had cared for, that I had nurtured, fed grass blades to, but that little caterpillar went through a transformation and it was a different creature when it came out and as Christians when we get saved we should be going through a transformation we should be coming more like Christ uh, but if people were to watch my life and your life would they look and go well you know what they're not much different than they were five years ago ten years ago they're they're kind of the same person they really haven't changed much there should be a distinct difference there's a process. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Uh, a lot of people are scared of that verse. It's not talking about predestination unto salvation, but we are predestined. Once we get saved, God says we are to be conformed to the image of his son. We're supposed to be like Christ. We're supposed to be a new creature. Old things are to be passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's the foundation of the relationship, the formation of faith. And number three, and lastly, the fixation of will. Philippians chapter 3, and read with me in verse 13. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul here in verse 12, he says, Not as though I have already attained, either we're already perfect. He says, I'm not perfect. I have not arrived. And you know, I look at Paul and I go, he was a much better Christian than I was. But he realized that he still had room to grow. And he still needed to become more like Christ. And I submit to you that nobody in this room has arrived. And if we've arrived, we probably need to get into the Word of God a little bit more and realize that we haven't arrived and look into the perfect law of liberty and let it point out our sin. But Paul said here, you know, I haven't attained, I haven't obtained some perfection, but I'm here sharing my testimony with you, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Think about that word apprehend. What does it mean in our English language? If a police officer were to apprehend a criminal, that just means they kind of put their arm over their shoulder and go, hey, buddy, how you doing? How's life? Oh, that's not what they do. What does a police officer do when they're going to apprehend someone? You ever, I like watching police chases. And you see the police officer running through a field, and it's probably, you know, they don't run that often. They've got the weight of the, the guns on them, and they're getting their physical exercise, and they weren't expecting this. They were taking their coffee break. And they're running after, there's coffee flying everywhere, and they're running after this criminal. And when they get to that criminal, they just tap them on the shoulder and say, can you slow down, please? I'm going to, I need to apprehend you, okay? no. They tackle them to the ground, and they say, stop, put your hands behind your back, and they put handcuffs on them. And you know that when we become Christ, we are apprehended by him. We are his. No man can pluck us out of the Father's hand, but we also need to cling to Christ. James, when we looked in the book of James, it says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. He says, not as though I have already obtained... But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. So I haven't arrived. Again, he reiterates that. But this one thing I do. Paul recognized his position. He wasn't comfortable with where he was. He knew that he still had room and that he needed to grow. Uh, are you comfortable here tonight? You've learned about God, you've gotten closer to Him, you've got God's blessing in your life, but you've kind of gotten comfortable. I will tell you, just over a year ago, I had gotten comfortable in my life. I was very comfortable with where I was. And then one night in January, when my hand caught on fire and my whole life changed for a couple months, I, you know, God made me very uncomfortable, and I was very unhappy. And I thought, God, why are you doing this to me? Uh, but looking back at it, I went and I talked to our, my pastor at the time, and he said, you know what, Daniel, you don't understand why you're going through this. And this was in between hospitals. We were going from hospital to hospital. 
and said, you know, I might not ever be able to play the piano again or be able to play the violin. I might not be ever be able to use my hand again. He said, Daniel, you don't know why you're going through this right now, but God's got a plan, and he wants to show you something you need to be ready to learn. And, you know, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. I had gotten out of emergency room number one, was being transported to emergency room number two, and wasn't ready to hear that biblical counsel at the time. And I said, okay, pastor, thank you. I know, I know. Uh-huh, 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 okay. And he prayed with me, and, and that was that. And then about six months later, he came to me. He said, so, Daniel, what'd you learn? And I knew exactly what he meant. He wanted to know through that trial what I had learned. And I could tell you one, two, three, four, five things that God had taught me through a difficult time in my life. But I had gotten comfortable. I was going to church. I was singing in the choir. I was, I was reading my Bible, but I was comfortable. Are we comfortable with where we are in Christ? We need to be striving to be more like Christ. And that's an action. It's not something that's going to happen automatically. I would love when I was studying in high school if I could put my uh, anatomy and physiology book underneath of my pillow and just have all that come into my head by osmosis, and I tried it, but it never worked. You know, it's not something that's just going to passively, I'm going to stare at the Bible on my table every single day, and all of a sudden, I'm going to be closer to Christ because I'm staring at the Word of God. That's not how it works. It doesn't work just because you're sitting here in church that you're going to be closer to God, but it takes action on our part, preparing our hearts for church, reading the Word of God, being in it every single day. We need to be striving to be more like him. We see not only did he realize his position, that he needed to draw closer to God, but he also rejected his past. And Paul had a pretty rough past that he came from, something that anybody should be ashamed of if you were a Christian. Think about Paul's history. Did he have a very good past? He was a murderer. He killed Christians. And now here he is preaching to Christians. Uh, I mean, he wasn't proud of his past. Read it. Read on with me, but I follow after it that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended. Brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to, appre to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Don't hold on to your past failures. All of us in here today, if you've been saved for any amount of times, you failed God. I failed God over and over and over again. And so many times Satan will want to discourage me and he'll bring up those past failures. Don't hold on to those. Let those go. God has forgiven you. He's taken your sin as far as the east is from the west. Move on and draw closer to God. He didn't hold on to his past defeats, his past failures. Uh, but let me also tell you this, warn you, don't just hold on to your past victories too. I've seen churches that have said, you know what? Uh, back in the heyday, this church was running 560 people. Uh, and I was talking to a pastor, and he said that, and they were running 14 people, and everything was about back in the day, back in the day, back in the day. Don't just hold on to your past victories and go, God's done using me. God's done working through me. God's done working through Bible Baptist Church, because he's not. He's not done using you. He's not done using Bible Baptist Church. He wants to use us more. But we can't just hold on to what God has done in the past, and God has blessed Bible Baptist Church. We have a beautiful facility here. Whenever I walk into our building, I am amazed just what great condition it's in, the beautiful decorations, the great people that we here have here. God has blessed us, and God has used Bible Baptist Church in a great way, but he's not done with us yet. We're still breathing. Every day that you wake up and you take a breath, <gasps> God still has something for you to do here, and God still wants to use you for something. So as long as you're breathing, is everybody in here breathing? Everybody's good? Okay. 
don't need to call an ambulance for anybody, where he has something to do for God, and God still wants to use you. So don't just hold on. Now, it's great to look back and say, God has blessed us here, and God did this, and God did that. But if that's the only thing that you're looking at and not looking forward to what God is going to do, we have an issue. Don't just hold on to, don't hold on to your past defeats. Don't just hold on to those past victories, but look forward to what God is going to do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that prize? Paul realized that he was pressing towards a prize. And what is that ultimate prize? What's the end of our race? I'm striving here for the presence of God in my life and the Holy Spirit working through my life. But the ultimate prize is to be standing face to face in the presence of God. That is our ultimate prize. I press toward that prize. I press toward that mark every single day. He ran to win the prize. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He didn't just create our faith, but he also finished it with his work on the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul ran to win a prize, and that prize was to be in the presence of Jesus. And he's there today in the presence of God, face-to-face with God, my Savior. And he's your God, too. Well, let me tell you, we need to have a relationship with God, and not just any relationship, but it needs to be a fruitful relationship, a relationship that's always growing uh, and exciting, a living relationship with God. You know, I think of our missionaries, and it's great to have missionaries with us here tonight, but how well do we know our missionaries? And pastor's encouraging you right now to go sign up on that list and uh, adopt a couple missionaries that you'll write on a weekly, monthly basis and get to know them and get to know their needs. And that way, when they have a building project, you can pray for them. Money's always great, but prayer is so powerful too. I heard a young missionary say one time, uh, he, was, he was loathing to me uh, he was raising support, and uh, he said, you know what, all these people say they're going to pray for me, but I really, I could care less about prayer. I just want their money. And he was serious. So I went, listen, that's a scary thing to say. Now, I understand missionaries need money to get support to be able to go to the field. Okay, money is important, but prayer is so powerful. But how well do we know our missionaries? How well do we know our God, though? Think about that. When I've been thinking about our relationship with our missionaries and how well I need to know them and be able to pray for them and bear their burdens, because that's part of our responsibility as a church, so much more so I need to be knowing my God. And it's the area where I have not attained. I have not already obtained. I've not arrived. I'm working every single day and need to grow closer to him. And my relationship needs to be strengthened. And I hope that you'll have that foundation of your relationship, that you'll know his person, that you'll know his power and that you'll know his presence in your life every single day. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for your word. And I pray that you would help us to have a relationship that's living, that's always working, and that's always, uh, Lord, growing closer to you. I pray that a year from now that we would be different people than we are today. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to use Bible Baptist Church. I'm excited to see how you use me in your service, how you use this church. And Lord, the great and mighty things that you will continue to do.